Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bad Choices in Bourbon. I am your host, as always, Dan Decker here at D-A-N-D-E-C-K-R on Twitter. Um, broadcasting live, delayed from the Toad Suck Studios in beautiful central Arkansas. Uh, it is late in the evening as we uh, get with our guest this uh, for this episode, Jake from the Minneapolis metro area. Uh, Final Frontier 87 on Twitter uh, has agreed to grace us with his presence uh, for an episode here tonight. Um, bringing it in, uh, you know, uh, with the sultry, soothing tones of the late night radio. Jake, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you for being on the show. I know um, it's a it's a bit of work. Uh, for you to uh, to find the time to be available uh, with the small children <laughs> yes. uh, and the challenges uh, therein, and so I do appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate that as father and parent, and then uh, also that you were able to make it for us tonight. So, um, oh, I'm I'm actually really excited to be here. I appreciate you um, staying up this late. Ah, uh, you know, I uh, I, I uh, gotta push the gotta push the boundaries sometimes, right? Uh, well, true. I used to be able to burn all the midnight oil, and I think that's I think that's part of the problem these days. Um, well, but, I uh, used to think that when I was single and had no kids. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, well, <laughs> you know, my theory about children uh, are that they are entropy vampires, and they just steal. Uh, that's that's why you don't have any energy. <laughs> they have sucked I, I'm it convinced all from there's you. some kind of Cardassian plot to replace us. Actually. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Eventually, they're going to or, or the the um, oh the pod people. So oh, you know, from yes. from body snatchers. So. But here we are. We made it here. Uh, we are we we are reaching back uh, from where we are being heard to the past, from whence this was recorded, uh, as we are you know uh, speaking to the future. Um, so you're here now, and uh, you you you. Where did you come to the planet? Well, I entered this fair planet. Well, you know, it was in 1987. Um, which, by the way, born in 1987, a month before TNG premiered. So I've been a TNG fan since literally you know, your entire life. <laughs> may, literally my entire life. Grew up watching it with my dad. But more about that later. Um, when we, when I, where I was born, I was born in Southern Illinois, close to the Kentucky and Southeast Missouri border. Um, you know, and I know that you're uh, pretty close to that area. You know, yeah. just a few, few hop skips and jump. And so, what most people don't know is Southern Illinois, that's really where the South starts. That's mm -hmm, where mm -hmm, the culture mm -hmm. starts, the food starts, the accent starts. So my parents have deep Southern accents. And I ended up kind of a neutral because I bounced around between North and South. But that's where I was born. Um, just a small little town of like 400 people. Um, my dad, he was the chief of police of that little town. As he referred to it, it was kind of like a Mayberry. Um, he, he never had to carry a gun. I mean, he kept it in a squad car, but he never had to do anything regarding that. He was able just to keep the peace. Um, keep the peace without having to carry the peace. Right. I mean, the yeah. only thing he honestly used, like he kept a shotgun in the back and that was to kill the cotton mouth that came up cause we lived right on the Mississippi river. And so they'd yeah, come right. over the levees. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what I like about what I like about what you, what you kind of bring home there is, um, where the quote, where the South begins. Uh, and it reminds me, Midwesterners in that area, Missouri, um, mm -hmm. and a little bit of, you know, a little bit of Iowa, even Oklahoma, some too. They don't, they want to, they don't want to be the South, right? No. They, they want to be the Midwest. But it's like the old joke about uh, Baptists and Catholics going to the liquor store. <laughs> you know, the Catholics say hello to each other. Yep. Yep. I mean, funny enough, yep. no, my, it's, uh, my, it's okay. my dad grew up Baptist. My mom grew up Catholic. So you, get, uh, <laughs> you, you get it in a way that, yeah. Anyway, So down here in the South, y'all, um, the Baptists don't drink. Uh, that's the joke. Oh, we got dry counties down there. Yeah, we have dry counties. Look it up. It's a nightmare. I actually live in a dry county. Yeah, there might be some people listening internationally that are like, what in the world is a dry county? So a dry county is a place, uh, it, it comes from, um, oh, temperance, 
and prohibition. Oh, even before prohibition, because yeah, yeah, counties were doing it before the national it's, happened. Yeah, it's a part of the temperance movement, and the idea being that uh, if you aren't allowed to purchase alcohol, that you won't drink it, um, which is really funny, since I am currently prepping my bourbon for the show, and uh, I have alcohol <laughs> in this dry county as we speak, and uh, we are what they call damp. You can uh-huh. purchase alcohol at the restaurant and drink with your dinner so that you can then drive home. <laughs> yeah, and here up yeah. in Minnesota, Wisconsin, especially Wisconsin, every county is a soaking wet county. Yeah, just um, Yeah, it just, yeah, they're like, what, what in the world is dry county? You know, why would you do that? And it was always, you know, the thing of fun was, hey, let's go up north and uh, buy some cheap beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, and then, the, you know, um, the, oh, there, it, it gets to be, uh, you know, all of that aside, once it becomes a thing, it gets to be an ingrained thing for reasons that have nothing to do with temperance or morality or even the law. It's all about who owns what and where the tax money is. So yep. the, 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 the liquor stores that are just over the county line it, on either side of the county I live in where it's super wet. They get all the tax revenue from all the liquor that we go over there and buy. <laughs> so they don't want liquor stores in my county oh, now no. because there goes all that glorious tax revenue. So and, instead uh, of supporting what? my county, they support oh, right. County, or we support Pulaski County and we support Conway County. Conway is not in Conway County, by the way. Um, <laughs> of course, why would it be? Why? Uh, why? We're, in, we're yeah. in Faulkner County. Uh, so Faulkner County dollars go to support two other counties through our liquor dollars. Uh, and, you know, so where did, you know, th- that money doesn't go to improve our stuff. And it's all a big racket now. It's always a big racket. Uh, oh, it's a, yeah, it's always a big racket. I mean, you know, I'm not you brought up temperance, which I so one of the things about me is I really love history. And I mm-hmm. especially have been a student of American history. Um, you know, kind of growing up with, like you said, kind of where the South starts and, but I lived in the North and, and the South. And so it's understanding the dynamic is very important there, especially for international listeners, because not all Americans are the same. (laughs) Um, but, uh, uh, did you know that a third of the United States income before prohibition was from alcohol sales nationally? (laughs) Yeah, that's how the federal government was really making their money was on alcohol. So there was that's why there was so much resistance against it at first. Right, right. Well, and you know, I mean, it's all about as they say, follow the money. So that's where you though that's where you started in that little corner. Yep. Where the South becomes the North and the North becomes the South, and that little Mayberry esque town. That yes. little Mayberry esque where uh, right before that set, that fateful September day. When TNG premiered, you sprung into the world. As I was uh, a wee one of 12 uh, when TNG premiered, I watched it on a 13-inch black and white television uh, received over rabbit ears. Black and white? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So there were still black and white televisions on sale when I was a youngster. So when you were born, even, you could still buy one off the shelf at Walmart. Um, And that TV... Uh, is what I played a good bit of Mario on as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. My, one of my first TVs was one of my dad's junkers with the turn knob. You know, yeah, I think yeah. it was a little 13-inch. that Because he's like, well, here, you know, because he didn't really want me playing my Super Nintendo <laughs> in the on living the, on room the on, TV, the big, yeah. on the big yeah. 25-inch. The ginormous 25-inch yeah. console living room television. Oh, my gosh, yes. Children, this was a um, your television more so than today where it's mounted on the wall as a centerpiece, used to be uh, so large uh, that it was a decorative piece of furniture. Um, Because also believe this, children, yes, with doilies, because the television was not always on. (laughs) Because television stations didn't always stay on all night long. And they would do this weird thing called sign-off. And at the end of the day, there was no more TV and TVs <laughs> and TV stations went to sleep like everyone else. <laughs> I, I remember that. Yes. Um, but now. It, yeah. It, it's well, yeah, it's it's just 
It's very interesting. It's um, but even when I was a kid, and I can still remember back to the eighties, you know, being a wee one, my dad was always into technology, and so he had a C-band satellite. Ooh, yes. Those of you, yeah, they don't know what that is. So today, you know, they have the little Dish Network Direct TV satellite TVs. Those are nothing compared to these old black, huge C-band satellites where you have to put the metal pole concreted in the ground. And then, like, as a kid, my dad would make me go turn it from satellite to satellite so it could pick up different channels because they weren't all on the same channel. Nope. (laughs) And that's that's actually how I first saw the 1960s Batman was on one of those satellite channels before they, you know, locked them up and you had to pay for them. So the way that worked, y'all, is you, you, what Jake's describing is this, this, oh God, what were they, 10? 10 foot? Like 10 foot across or 12 foot across. Big, big parabolic dishes, right? Um, And if you've studied anything about parabolic uh, reception, you understand how they work. And, you know, so the wee, the wee satellite above us in the sky uh, beams down delicious bits of information through radio waves, and the parabolic dish bounces those and concentrates them up into the receiver and that little cone thing that's at the focal point of that parabola. Isn't that how? Isn't that neat how physics works? Um, <laughs> and anyway, back in the bad old days of pirate television, <laughs> <laughs> so the way it works now, you have the tiny little dish that you know you got from Direct TV, and it is. The satellite that sends that signal works on the same principle. The satellite that sends that that signal is sprouting. It's you know spreading it all over the United States, and so you don't have to move that dish. And the data stream is so concentrated that it carries all your all your channels. Well, back in the day, you had to go outside and crank the handle. That would move that parabolic dish and point it at another satellite in the sky and that satellite would have a different set of channels on it than the one you might have been watching and you would have to know where on your on your crank if you were smart you went out there and you and dad you, you marked through it the with window, the marker you marked, you're so like you... c seventeen four two. all right that's got the playboy channel and the playboy channel two and the playboy channel slightly scrambled okay we're gonna go with that one lock it in <laughs> you know well, you see, that's really why you soldered your own board and you got the scrambler. Technically, yes. those weren't legal, yeah, but yeah. my dad found a guy that was really good at soldering. Isn't it something how every dad in the 80s knew a guy that could build that shit? I know. <laughs> <laughs> but the really, and the, the rich kids, okay, so there was level of rich kid, right? There's the rich kids, you had the satellite. <laughs> you're already you're already a step up and then there's the kids who had the satellite who had the motorized doohickey right they didn't have to go outside, yeah but right? nah, 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 yeah. You're like, i'll give it just a minute it'll be on hbo west guys it's fine hold on yeah, we'll be... <laughs> oh good old days oh man and yep. then yeah no you would um you would strain your eyes uh, after they started scrambling you would strain your eyes Trying to, you know, force your force your retina to unscramble that signal. <laughs> it's good old days, oh, good yeah. old days. But it, it, it reminds me, though, you know, our uh, mutual uh, history in broadcast radio. Now, uh, when I was uh, right when I started uh, and finished, it was a short career <laughs> in high school. Um, uh, we would we would do a sign off in the evening mm-hmm. on um, a little later on the weekends, uh, and then but right before I left the station, they were switching into an automation system where the station would oh be like 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 Simeon or something like that mm-hmm. yeah like it was yep. you know satellite feed after a certain hour, but the station is broadcasting twenty four hours a day now, uh, and it was a little weird to no longer sign off the station. You know, I had the script memorized and everything, so. Bit bit interesting. So, but you did radio. Uh, as what 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 is your uh, uh, what is your claim to fame over the radio waves? Oh my goodness, claim to yeah. fame. So that yeah. well, that skips very far ahead in my story. It's okay, we're gonna, uh, we're, I have yeah, I, I, we'll I, come I back can fill in the gaps. There's there's like five <laughs> different states I've lived in in twenty different houses, which oh, that sweet. I'm sure you're going to want to ask about. So I'll we'll go back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but at this point. Um, you know, I was in, it was my college years, uh, first starting out. Um, you know, I need, I needed a job. 
Um, so, you know, I got a job as just a on-air DJ at nights because, you know, I did classes during the day. And I also, I got an internship uh, for another place. So I was doing two part-time jobs in college full-time. Um, so, I mean, I was just busy all the time. And what it was, it was just this tiny little, uh, it's a Christian radio station down there in Southern Illinois. Um, even more is Southern Gospel, which you'll be familiar with. Oof, Some people yeah. have no idea what that is. That's a whole other genre. It's a, yes, it's a whole other genre. Thankfully, they let me play some country gospel because I, I geared more towards country music at that time, yeah. um, which I was like, oh, my God, thank you. But um, it, uh, yeah, so it was interesting. I would just, you know, go on there and I actually had my own show. I could do what I want. Um, my boss was pretty, you know, my boss was like, as long as you don't, you know, swear or do anything <laughs> like that. He's like, you could say what you want. You just don't get the station in trouble. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was thinking through that time and, you know, not only what I play music and then I take calls and requests and talk to people on air or whatever. Um, but then I would also, you know, we would play the Pickneyville Panthers will be on tonight at seven. It's like high school basketball season. Yes. Oh, my God. That was one of the busiest times. And, you know, was sometimes because the station was always looking to make money. It was from commercials. Number one. Number two was usually from sports season. Yeah. And people were so like dedicated to the high school sports there, that area. Yep. Yep. And yeah, because that's what you live for. I'm like, okay, okay. Um, but sometimes we'd, we'd book like three games a night, but they're all at the same time. And yeah. I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And it's like, okay, so we'll air the first one live. The second one, go to the tape deck in the next, in our recording room, record it. Yep. And then by that time, so we had some digital. It's like record the third one, pipe it into, into our Adobe Audition, you know, and just make sure you don't delete the stream and you save it afterwards. That's hilarious. And then, That's yeah, hilarious. and then I'd stay there for, what, six hours and all that. So then I had nothing to do except listen to this and, you know, take calls if anyone had, had a call. But there was a story that I wanted to share with you that you may you may be able to relate to. And this is something I wanted to ask you. Uh-huh. Um, your most embarrassing moment in radio. Oh, um, Jesus. So I'll, sh- yeah, I'll share mine. Okay. Um, so on that station, um, during the day, the my boss, who was a general manager, he had a, kind of a political talk show. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was more of an independent, politically-minded guy. So he would he'd just lob stuff out there. You know, actually, I I admired him a lot. You know, he's someone um, who really meant a lot to me in my life and gave me some good direction um, and kind of helped me on my thinking. Um, But one day he must have riled somebody up. And uh, yeah, I think he just said something. Sometimes he would do that, but he didn't care, you know. Uh, So I get this call like in the middle of my shift and it's this person and they they're just mad and how dare he say that? You know, I am so angry and I'm going to do this and that and all this and that. And I'm like, finally, like, um, I say, sir, 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 please, you know, sir, please. And he and finally they go, I am not a sir. I am a ma'am. Oh, and no. Like, my face is beat red <laughs> because, you know, I really by the voice, it was so guttural. And so it sounded so low. I just like, ma'am. May I take your name and I will give it to the general manager? And she's like, "Yes, you can." And I'm like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> but I'm so, like, "Yeah." But that wasn't on air. No, thank God it wasn't oh, on air. Okay, so mine was on air. <laughs> oh God, okay. Mine was on air. I'm surprised I didn't get fired for this. So. Two things. Played a joke once. Didn't get caught. And I'll tell you about that. I'll tell you about this. So it was it was around the Lenten season, pre-Easter. And mm, uh, yeah. the station owner uh, was Stan. Stan uh, was Catholic. And Rich, the news director who was doing the newscast, also Catholic. So a tiny little town, though. Morlton's not big. Um, and uh, I was there to do run the board for the news and then run the evening uh air shift uh probably had some you know like you said local sports going on that night or whatever the case may be uh but you know throwing down some garth brooks and and uh brooks Mm -hmm. and done for you uh in between the weather at the top of the hour and uh so (laughs) 
he tried to do the whole, you know, two guys in the studio banter thing, and I was not prepared. Uh, it was a, it was, it was a cold toss. And, uh, uh, so he was like, and so Dan, what are you giving up for Lent? Oh no. Oh, Jake. Oh, Jake. I said, well, my comeback, my first comeback was, well, Rich, I'm not Jewish. (laughs) He goes, he goes, well, Dan, uh, it's a Catholic holiday. And I go, well, in that case, raping and pillaging, (laughs) you don't, you don't cold toss to a 17 year old. You know, you don't do that. That's yeah. They learned they learned that you don't do that. <laughs> but but um, I was a little bit I was a little bit of a I was still are a bit of a curmudgeon uh, even at that age. And so what I would do is Rich would be doing the news or whoever it was would be doing the news, and you know, so I'm I'm running the board from the the FM room and the, uh, they're doing the news from the uh, AM studio uh got everything piped in and whatnot and so you know i keep my mic out of queue or in queue so you, you don't want to broadcast when you're not not hot right but i would i would take the pot way down just just pegging the vu just you know ever so much and i would take the mic out of queue and i'd sit there and, this is awful this is awful jake i'd go satan 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 <laughs> 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 just as so quiet as I possibly could. <laughs> just to do it. Just to do yeah, it. Yeah, just to have fun. Because <laughs> no one knew but me. <laughs> and now you and the rest of the world. I'm just sorry, the Stan. World. May you rest in peace. I'm pretty sure no. you don't anymore. But uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, no, that was my embarrassing on-air moment. Was at, or a radio moment was actually on-air where I first thought, thought Lent was a Jewish holiday and then decided I was gonna give up pirating in general yeah i i don't regret a lot of things but i do uh i do um wish that i hadn't misspoke <laughs> somehow man you know it, not get it happens it does yeah um there were i don't think the folks uh on uh out there in the listeners uh cared too much for but hey gotcha. you know what are you gonna do so but let's rewind take it back a bit sure so radio was college um, but there was there, you know, presumably there's 18 years somewhere between uh, arriving oh, yeah. on the planet and getting to college. So what happened yeah. kind of in between? Well, I'll give you, um, as they say in Spaceballs, the short, short version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I figured you'd like that. Um, so, you know, to, so to go back to where, where I started in that little town, uh, Grand Tower, Illinois. If you need a name, you know, a lovely name. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was right on the Mississippi River. Um, you know, sometimes flooded. They sandbag at the levee, you know, and all that good, fun river flooding stuff. Um, but not only was my dad the chief of police of the town, he was also a pastor of one of the churches in the town. Which made for some interesting, um, interesting <laughs> situations. You couldn't get away with anything. Well, I mean, to be fair, we lived there till I was about five, you know, so it it didn't matter anyway. Um, (laughs) You know, yeah, I didn't know what what really was going on. All I knew is that I was happy. I had uh, they got me like for my fourth birthday, a Jeep, one of those little uh, Power Wheels Jeeps, you know, the the only kind you can get was red at that time. There was none of the special ones. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But. But yeah, um, so there'd be some times where, say, there would be a member of the church that would come to him and like, can I talk to you as a pastor and not the chief of police? It's like, it depends. Why do you need to talk to me like that? <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, well I need I'm to think- tell my pastor I committed murder, but I don't want the chief of police <laughs> to find out about it. Right. It was one of those. It's like, well, I think my son might be doing like, you know, some kind of drug problems and this and that. And he's like, oh, why did you tell me this? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a talk about a conflict of interest. I can't imagine that. You know, there's there's a very fine line. Yeah, it, it sure. was a very fine line. I had talked to him about it years later once I grew up, you know, and tried to understand that. And he said, you know, there is law. And he said, and then there's the confidence someone, you know, puts into you as a pastor. And it, it's one of those where you reconcile it. It's like, well, it's like he went to the person in question. And he's like, look, you know, your mom's really worried about you. 
Um, she believes you're doing some things that you shouldn't be doing. And it's like, and if I catch you, I'm going to catch you. It's like, so you either need to stop or you keep mm-hmm. doing what you're doing and I'll catch you. <laughs> <laughs> this is your friendly I mean, warning. <laughs> that's, that's about, and you know, kudos to your dad. Uh, that is given someone um, who hasn't quote unquote been caught yet. The chance to course correct is sometimes more valuable right. than after the fact. Letting them know, hey, uh, yeah, we you're not as clever as you think you are, Mister. Uh, right. But uh, you got the chance right now to to put it right, and that that's there's there's an incredible value in that. I think. Well, and and that's the thing. It's you know with everything that's gone on and everything, you know. Okay, so I grew up. Um, and my dad, he was only a cop till I was about five years old. And then he, he retired and became, um, pastor full time. Um, but you know, I, there was always the image of a cop being such a good guy, you know, growing up. And especially in the day and age where we talk about police brutality and all the horrible things that have happened. And, you know, I was talking to my dad about it a little bit to get his thoughts on it. And before he was a cop at Grand Tower, he was a cop in the 70s and 80s in a little place called Cairo, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And that is a place that back during that time was about a population of 5,000 people. And it was a heavy place of, of rioting and civil unrest in the 1960s. You know, my mom talks about um, she was a kid kid during the 60s. So there's a 13 year age difference between my parents. You know, mm-hmm. my dad's born in 1948. And my mom born in 61. Okay. So when they talk about their memories of that time, you know, she's like she remembers being a little girl and their parents driving past the police station and bricks flying over their cars and gunshots and stuff going off because it was just, you know, during that time. Right. And that's why all these things that have been going on have been, you know, I've been talking to my mom, too. And she's like, man, she's like, I feel like I'm a little girl again. <laughs> um, she, yeah, that's, that's got to be a pretty strong memory. Oh, yeah, it, it, it is. Because, you know, it was one of those things where my parents always raised me, um, you know, not to not to be racist, not to hate anyone for the color right. of their skin or their religion. And it was it was so hard for me. I remember asking my dad, like, you know. Um, why would anyone do that? And, you know, there's a look on his face. He was so distraught. And he said, I, he's like, son, I really don't know what to tell you. I don't know why someone would hate someone for that reason. Um, you know, but, but in that area, that was one of those, Carol was one of those places where, um, do you know what government projects are? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So during the fifties and sixties, they built some government projects where they had the segregation, and even after, you know, the late 50s, 60s, segregation was lifted and mostly it stayed segregated, unfortunately. Yep. And, you know, crime started being committed in a town of 5,000 people and averaged a shoot, shooting murder rate of 22 people a year. Ooh. Yeah, which is pretty deadly. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty, so, pretty stark percentage. Right. So my dad, he that's where he basically was a beat cop, you know, and there was a lot of you know, violence and things that would occur. But um, like my dad said, he grew up, you know, around, um, you know, white people, black people, Asians. It didn't really matter. It um, He had friends of all races and religions. Mm-hmm. And, and he said he didn't care what, you know, what the color of your skin was or what you believed. Like if you broke the law, then, you know, that's what it was. You broke but the law, yeah. You broke the law. Um, but he said there was, he remembers there was a cop down there back at that time that there was a suspect fleeing that was a person of color and the cop shot off eight rounds and, you know, the last one hit him. And fortunately that, that cop actually got prosecuted and got fired. Wow. Um, you know, because they were not supposed to do that. Yeah. And, and that's why my dad was saying, he said, yeah, these cops, you know, that are doing the the brutality that they're doing, that should not be happening. That's not how you're supposed to police. Um, Right. And he did tell me because whenever he said, you know, whenever you get stopped and he was very specific with me, he said, just do what the officer tells you, be very respectful, keep your hands on the wheel. And he was like really worried about mm me. And I said, dad, why are you so concerned about it? You're a cop. He said, I know. He said, but when so, sometimes when someone puts on that uniform, a certain kind of power goes to their head, and they yep. don't know how to handle it. Yep. And, and that's, that's why all, the, all this a, has been bringing up those memories, you know. Well, and it, and it is a uniform. 
right? And the reason, <clears throat> dear listeners, if you aren't aware that we wear uniforms is to allow us to either become um, identified as a member of a particular group, either within ourselves or by the outside people. Um, but it also allows you to costume a persona, right? Um, right. You can become when I, when I go to work and I put on, um, the shirt, uh, you know, that I wear at work, uh, and I step out onto that floor, that, that person that steps out onto that floor is a large portion of Dan Decker, but it is also, you know, a, uh, healthy seasoning of a persona of Dan Decker at work, right? It is not necessarily the same me that are, that you're hearing right now. In a lot of ways it is, but it's that uniform that I put on that, you know, lets everyone know this is what I'm here to do today. <coughs> and it, and so, you know, it's very, there's, there's a lot of reasons. Um, and it's kind of like, I was talking to somebody about it the other day um, in relation to say like military uniforms now mm-hmm. where almost everyone in the military at all times, regardless are in their are in their battle dress, right? They don't wear their office dress uh, blues anymore. Uh, they are always in their fatigues, as they used to mm. be called. And that is a constant, quote, state of ready for war, right? They're never mm-hmm. dressed down to a civilian style. They're never in their blues and dresses anymore. It's always with the, the camouflage and the combat fatigue look. Um, and that's... That's intentional. <laughs> um, that, here's they, the military don't do things by mistakes, y'all. Not a lot, anyway. Uh, Beware and, of and, the military-industrial complex, President Eisenhower. Right, and he was not wrong. Um, I wish we could uh, be a little more like Ike in a lot of ways, uh, uh, but yeah, uh, we failed that heed. We failed to heed that warning big time. Uh, but it is um, <laughs> hello, sixties yeah. and seventies. Yeah. Oh boy, <laughs> let me tell you. Now it's time. Isn't this where we drop in some, uh, um, you know, uh, some some of those, um, uh, you know, the the songs you're always going to hear in a Vietnam movie. You know, we just start oh, dropping doom, in some doom, yeah. doom, 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 doom. That's right. We're going to lay some lay some tracks back here and start talking about the start talking about the Vietnam War <laughs> and, and the White Rabbit and Alice. Yeah, you know, that's right. Oh, oh. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, the uniforms are intentional. You know, I mean. On the other side of it, we send we send our kids. Hopefully, send them safely uh, soon to a school um, that requires uniforms, and it's, it's so much easier in a lot of ways. You know, <laughs> when I don't care, you don't get to worry about if it's this brand or that brand. It's khaki. Put it on, you know. <laughs> it's t- that's it. Brought it's to you by khaki. It's khaki and it's purple. That's it. That's all. That's all it has to be, um, and it makes it so much easier. Uh, but yeah. Um, you know, it's that, that, like your dad said, there's a, um, there's a switch that flips with some people and they, they are not the best version of themselves sometimes. Um, yeah. And we see that unfortunately. Um, and then there's that, um, I think there's a sense too, that comes with it. That is, uh, um, authority by default is correct, you know? Yes. Uh, And that isn't true by the way. Uh, you, it's like uh, Superman, you know. Uh, you gotta, if you if you ever played Superman as an actor, you you have to be kind of Superman all the time, even as just the person. You don't get to, you don't get to not be Superman, and you you'll lose the cape, right? Um, oh, right. It's just like you know, um, Chris Evans as Captain America. Yeah. And all these kind of roles that can influence young people. I mean, specifically in their contracts, you know, they can't if they're caught out doing things that are just, just demeaning to their characters, they play, they're gone. Yeah. 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 He has to kind of be Captain America. Thank goodness. They kind of found someone who is basically just Captain. America. Oh yeah. But, um, you know, unfortunately we, we saw, uh, we saw where, where Dean Kane decided to diminish, uh, his legacy as one of the supermans. Um, and you know, just, he was one of my favorites. Of, it's unfortunate, you know, because he he was good, he was good, you know. But you you don't 
you got to keep you got to keep earning the cape, man. You don't just get to not be. Well, and I'll be fair. I haven't read all of what he's done, so I won't pass judgment. It's okay. But like I told you, I'm very independent minded. So yeah, that's fair, and that's fair. Um, and uh, but yeah, he's uh, you know uh, that uniform brings with it not only a certain responsibility but a certain mentality, um, and you got to be able to put those two together. Uh, to be that everyday hero that, you know, you and I grew up being taught and you had the example uh, of um, uh, in that in that officer authority, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's kind of sad, too, these days because it was easy when we were kids to have, like, the default good guy and the default bad guy, you know? Um, you had, uh, you had GI Joe and you had Cobra and it was, you know, you had the yes, uh, Autobots Cobra. and the Decepticons, you know, it was easy, uh, to know who the good guys and the bad guys were. Um, and you know, it was all, you could always the Jedi or the empire. Yeah. Right. Oh man. Talk um, about muddy in the water. United States and Soviet <laughs> union. Yeah. The evil yeah. empire. <laughs> That's right. In Soviet Russia games play you. Oh, oh yes. That's Vidanya. <laughs> Oh, uh, you get you know, it's a certain children of the eighties can make Soviet Russia jokes. <laughs> well, and that's always been like I said, history's a fascination. So Cold War was a huge thing for me to study, World mm-hmm. War Two, and uh, through everything. But yeah, but my yeah, my favorite it, thing about the Cold War is how everyone thinks we won. Well, it's it's very interesting, you know. It never because... re- it, we quit we quit fighting, and the other side did not. And well, and that's uh, just the thing. It's like, yeah. okay, Mr. Putin over there, who was KJB and still is hardcore, and mm-hmm. really what he 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 learned one of the greatest lessons. And you you know, and it, and it just baffles me. And like, why haven't and it's, why don't many people catch on to this? Because okay, Soviet Russia was especially when it was Stalinized, was so yeah, not good. People starving, very poor planning, but they always had extra vodka. That's the only excess that they had be- because you needed it because you were depressed. You, you couldn't eat. I mean, the yeah. cycle continues. But okay, so they tried everything government controlled. Okay, everything government controlled. When you go to that stream of the needle, it's all the way at the E mark. No, yeah, you're you're not going to do it. Um, what Putin's learned, oh, if I inject some capitalism in here and I have some other private companies that want to, you know, just fl- flush money at me, oh, I, yeah, there we go. Yep. <clears throat> you, you mask it in capitalism. Right. The, it, so <laughs> just get foreign investors come to Russia. So it always amuses me. Uh, and you know, I, I don't try to play the, the well actually game too many times because, but it is, it is funny to see how the vast majority of people think or how much information perhaps they aren't aware of when they answer the question of who's the richest person in the world. And they say Jeff Bezos (laughs) because it's Vladimir Putin. Well, arguably on or off the books. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, do you count all the gold bullion you're hoarding in your mountains? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I hey, even on the books, he probably has Bezos beat, but uh, definitely when it comes to amassed wealth, um, it's unmatched. Uh, but we'll never know. Uh, that's kind of the intrigue about it, right? Well, right. I mean, there is so much we don't know about certain things that go on, especially as Americans. Sometimes we really are ignorant of other countries. Oh man. Um, and it's just so sad, you know, because and I'm I'm guilty of it, too, which is why I've been trying to learn more about history of other nations besides yeah. just America. Because, yeah, growing up, it's like, rah, rah, we're the greatest. Everybody, do you know we're the greatest? And it's like, as you grow up, and, it's really? like, and like, and I'm happy thinking that I'm, you know, do li- live in a very, you know, good nation. Um, in in a great nation, but I'm happy if someone that lives in England or Ireland or France, that they love their country too. I'm like, right on. Yeah. Like, yeah. You should, you should be, I think you you should feel comfortable being proud of where you're from. Exactly. And if you, if you just blindly always express that pride and don't ever re-examine where you from has become, then I, you know, you. I feel like you're failing uh, a little bit because, um, well, uh, the human condition is constant reexamination. 
right? Mm. The positions you hold today shouldn't be the positions you held yesterday. Unless Based the on facts new information. Haven't changed. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You know, uh, strong opinions loosely held. Let's make sure that we are passionate about the things that we believe in that we know, but when the uh, information changes, our passions should change with it. Yeah. You know, there's a there's actually a, a Bible verse that's been in my mind lately that comes to my mind because it says, um, be be slow, uh, no, be quick to listen, mm-hmm. slow to speak, slow to anger. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is, oh, wow, that is very relevant for today. And that is exactly, um, you know, contrary to some evidence on some of these episodes, that's the point of this show is for me to exercise my lesson, my listening skills a little more actively. Uh, but I also get um, real wrapped up in excited conversation with my friends. So, you know, uh, it's a it's a mixed bag. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, I've not been a, if you ask my wife, I'm not the greatest listener. I think I am. But for some <laughs> reason, <laughs> I love to listen to myself talk. <laughs> <laughs> Look, all you need to know is that I'm waiting for you to get done talking so I can tell you my next point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Listen, I'll, yeah, go ahead and finish being wrong so I can tell you how <laughs> wrong you are. And then we can go from there. Once you agree how right I am. Well, oh, my God. I, yeah. I was, I'll, I'll admit, when I first got married, I've been married for over seven years now. I was an airhead. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, anyone that enters a relationship, they just, yeah. Hey, it's all going to be glorious, right? No. Yeah. I tell people, uh, love, marriage, they're all active verbs. You don't, you don't now like you verb them. Um, it's, uh, it takes work, man. Uh, myself and, and Trish, uh, it's 21 years in November that we started dating. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And it'll be, uh, 17 years in August, the, for the wedding anniversary. So it's, um, you know, and, and, and it has not been, uh, sunshine, roses and potpourri the whole day, man. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's obviously we, we wagered more good than bad, but, uh, it's it's work and um, i think i see so kids these days the kids these days who you don't have to get off my lawn you're welcome on my lawn come hang out it's a lot of fun um but the kids these days they seem to be a little more um commitment minded i think might be you know they understand they're, they're more slow to engage in marriage um, yes, because they don't want to uh, go through what what being quick to marry the outcomes of that. Where there's a there's a generation between that comes after us, I think, uh, mm-hmm. that you know had a, l- a little more fast and loose with it. And hey, either here nor there, morality wise, I don't care. Uh, you know, marriage is a construct of man. <laughs> uh, as far as paperwork goes for the purposes of the government. It has nothing to do with what's in your heart and, you know, who you who you betrothed yourself to and how you, you metaphysically handle that. It's completely up mm-hmm. to you. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I think folks, these the, the kids that are coming along these days say, you know, one, they see so much kind of probably uncertainty in the world. They don't want to commit to some long-term stuff, really. They're, they're hesitant to sign a six-month lease. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. Seriously, at this point, I, are, is, are any of us going to be here in six months? I don't know. Am I still going to be obligated to this after the yeah. uh, after the pandemic takes me? I don't know. Um, but, but yeah, it, it, it is, man. And so con- congrats to you on seven years because it's um, – uh, and then you, you, know, you add in um, – and I always try not to overplay the parent hand. We did this to ourselves. We opted into this. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, our struggle is no more or less than folks who uh, have chosen or aren't able to have children. Uh, everyone has, you know, uh, nature abhors a void. So if you're, if you're not struggling with kids, you're struggling with something else uh, because the <laughs> universe will find some ways to jam some, jam some garbage into your life. I promise you. Um, oh, yes. But, yes. you know, uh, I think they, they, everything that they've seen, they just, you know, they, they just, they don't, they think a bit differently about the long term. Uh, and and the kids are the fast It's not a bad nights. thing, you know. It's, it's and I remember someone telling me one time, and who he was single for a long time. I think he got married when he was like thirty-five. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he, you know, at that time I was still single, you know, and it's one of those things that sometimes you have blinders on anyway. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm so lonely and I'll never find anyone, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I laugh at myself now, you know. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm like, I really should have enjoyed myself more. I should have traveled more. I should have done more of the things I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it doesn't matter now. I'm, ha- I'm happy where I'm at now. Um, but someone told me, he's like, you know, if you're really happy being single, then stay single. If you're not, yeah. then look for somebody. And he made it yeah. real simple. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it is so, we let ourselves get so wrapped up in the outside of ourselves, right? The pressures the things, of society. Yeah, the things yeah. that we can't control, honestly. Um, and we're, 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 you know, weird wired little monkeys. Uh, it's strange the way our brains work. Um, I mean, let's, you know, you could, could spend a whole, uh, people have spent entire lives trying to deconstruct emotion alone, which is oh just, my. you know, which is just the neurochemical response to, uh, environmental stimuli. Uh, but, uh, it feels a lot different <laughs> when, <laughs> when you have one, you know, um, very true. So, uh, you know, it's so crazy though. But, uh, so where are you now? What are you doing now? I know we've got a lot of story to cover, uh, but unfortunately we don't have a lot of time. So the way this works is we, we have to come, we have to find a place to where we can, we bring it down, you know, we got to close, we got to come to a close, but we don't end. We're going to pick this back up in a future episode because we will always continue to have more story to tell. Uh, but let's find a place where you are right now. You're in the, the Minneapolis metro area. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll just give you the brief of kind of how I got to here in the past few years. Um, so, you know, I met my wife online on one of those statistics that's now even <laughs> more common. Um, she, at the time, she was working in AmeriCorps doing uh, relief for, I think, tornadoes and going to different places and doing that kind of thing. Um, but it showed up. I was living in Green Bay, Wisconsin at the time. Um, and so it showed hers, Wisconsin. You know, but I didn't realize she's over on the East Coast, you know, doing all this, uh, doing this great work. And so we connected that way and one thing led to another. And um, I think we got engaged after knowing each other for four months, kind of going back to that, you know, doing things quickly. And then after a 14 month long engagement, we got married (laughs) due to her (laughs) parents' insistence. Um, you know, then we lived in Green Bay for a while. Uh, we have two wonderful kids, uh, my five-year-old Alex, uh, and my two-year-old daughter, Emily. Um, you know, and Alex is a very special boy. He's, uh, he's autistic. Um, you know, and at, at, <clears throat> forgive me for a second. It just, nope. uh, when I think about him, I get, I get kind of emotional, you know, cause it's, um, it's hard to see his struggles every day. Um, but he's, he's doing so well. And we're so proud of them. Awesome. Um, and something that kind of led us to come over here to Minneapolis is I was working. Um, so what I mean, I'm an IT professional. Uh, what I do right now, I'm an IT design engineer. So I engineer uh, servers and infrastructure and, you know, the mysterious cloud uh, for a company uh, here in Minneapolis. That's actually a globe company. I really enjoy it. And actually, as a little side note, Jordy LaForge was kind of an inspiration to be an IT guy. Um, But that's another story that I can get into. Um, But I was, you know, I was working another IT job in Green Bay and they had some cutbacks. So I lost my job. The same day I lost my job, we found out that Alex was autistic. We got his diagnosis, which is like, you know, a double punch in the gut. Oh, yeah. 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 It was fantastic. And. You know, so we were looking in, okay, so we need to look at the school district for special needs help for like speech therapy and some other kind of therapies. And, you know, they were telling me, it's like, well, we need to see your W-2. And I'm like, why in the world do you need to see my W-2? And they said, well, there's an income limit uh, based on that of, you know, what you can receive special services. And I'm like, okay, that's very interesting. And, you know, kind of looked for jobs around there and wasn't finding a whole lot in the area. Uh, went over here to Minneapolis, and there's just a plethora of IT jobs, um, and really good ones, good benefits, and also they have laws here that says if your kid's disabled, it doesn't matter what your income is; they will get the assistance they need. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and we just uh... we just knew that this was okay. This is the place we need to be, and so this is where we've been since 2018 for the past couple of years. Um, you know, so Alex is now in; he's going to start kindergarten in fall, hopefully. Woo-hoo. depending right. on yeah, exactly. everything going on. Um, 
you know, but he, he's been doing a lot better, doing a lot better with his communication. Um, but yeah, so, so a lot of our lives right now, um, we're definitely proud parents of a special needs child. Um, and something that, you know, I, I do want to say is if, you know, if you are a special, someone who is a parent of a special needs child, you'll understand this. And if you don't, or if you're not, um, it's, it, 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 it's so difficult. It's so hard. And if you know someone that is a parent, just, you know, try to comfort them, but never tell them that I'm so sorry. We, yeah. we don't want to hear that because what it makes us feel like is that, well, I'm so sorry that you, you know, he was born or he's a problem because they're not problems. Nope. Um, and, and this is one of those things where <laughs> one of the reasons I'm actually more independent minded politically than I used to be is because I used to be very more conservative. Mm-hmm. And when I saw when, you know, my analysis is kind of this of the Republicans and the Democrats. And this is why I cho- chose to be more in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, Republicans are more like bean counters. You know, there's no emotion. It's just, you know, dollar signs. Right. And, okay, can we afford that? Is it a budget? Okay. Like, okay, yes, it is necessary to budget and make sure you spend money wisely. But there has to be a component where you care about people. Right. And then when I see on the too far left side, it's all about the emotion. And and I get it. You want to reach that utopian vision. Granted, yeah, Star Trek's all about that. I want that too. But the current world we live in, there has to be accountability. There has to be a way of thinking of how to pay for it. And like there has right. to be a way we can come together and get in the middle on this. At least that's how my analysis has been. That's how my life experiences have affected me. But that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Well, you know, and as someone, you could you could probably argue um, uh, that my mother uh, was the single mother. Uh, along with, you know, a largely single mother, um, mm. with, um, myself, uh, my, uh, sister, and then our younger brother, we each had separate fathers. Uh, so along the way, there was a lot of moving and shifting and up and shaking. Um, but you know, I was uh, a sickly child. Um, uh, I had, uh, was born with a defective, uh, right. eye. I had a birth defect in my right eye. Uh, and that's what led to ultimately, you know, my condition today is where I have a prosthetic right eye. Uh, but up to, yeah. So up to very much the very beginning, two months old, uh, in fact, uh, coming up on the 45th anniversary of my first surgery, uh, in August. Um, yeah. And so, you know, very first surgery was two months old. Uh, and then through that up until I was nine, uh, before, you know, I was nine going right before going into the fourth grade is when they took out, Uh, took out the eye but you know through all of that I was very much uh, in and out of the hospital and going through uh, surgery after surgery and you know is the very much like having you know a special needs child I was half blind for my entire life Uh, so you know that's not exactly you know a plus ready to go Uh, but I'm able to navigate the world on my own uh, without you know the help but the The point of it is that I wouldn't have been able to be as successful and accommodated as I had been if it weren't for assistance, right? Right. Um, and so I'm I'm probably a little more emotionally left than is reasonable uh, because of that experience, my own personal experience with the fact that, quote, the system helped me and worked for me and I would be... Uh, a completely different and probably less of a person had they not been there. Um, right. But the, the idea of income requirements in any direction is abhorrent to me. The system is there for all of us. Um, the idea being right. that if you have more means then you likely have contributed more to the system and are entitled to your part of it still Right. And the the idea was right. The idea was like in our scenario. Well, in Wisconsin, it 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 was well. Then you can go to some private facility, which there was only one place in that town, and it's like a year long waiting list. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so the private sector is not filling that void 
like you say it's going to. Yeah. And and it's, you know, on the flip side, it's like, so you're punishing me because, you know, one of the things that I didn't mention when I was. You fill with the crack. You follow the crack. Yeah. And and it's, um, you know, I I worked, you know, I worked really hard because I went, you know, I went to college for IT. Um, and at that time my parents were really so broke. There was oftentimes we frankly couldn't, we didn't have meals, you know, we didn't have groceries. Sometimes people randomly show up and donate some groceries to us, which was a blessing. Um, but when I was working those two jobs, I was actually helping my parents pay the rent. And that's when I decided to, you know, okay, the American dream says if I work hard, you know, I can make my way. Yep. And I did. And then it's like, okay, hey, by the way, we're going to punish you for, you know, you work working too hard. hard. You worked <sighs> a little too hard, buddy. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, and that's, you know, we don't, we are not going, uh, sadly, Jake, I don't think we are going to be the ones to solve these problems. Yeah. You're right. I mean, I think we've got a lot of good answers, but nobody's probably, the wrong people are listening. Um, <laughs> The, you see, the, the correct people are not listening. The, the people, if they would just listen, it would be fine. Um, oh, sorry, don't yeah. don't get me off into impressions. I can do impressions. So. <laughs> We'd be here. We could do an entire show of just us pretending to be other people that we think we're good at it. Well, <laughs> I really like impressionist Nancy. <laughs> Nancy. Nancy. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. Mm. But uh, we are gonna. We are definitely gonna come back and visit with you again. Uh, even if it's just for my own uh, selfish indulgence, um, there's a lot of meat oh, that, on these bones, brother. Oh, oh, there is. There, there's yeah. so much I haven't, I haven't been able to cover. I, we didn't even get to Star Trek. Oh my goodness! See, and that's that's kind of the thing. I, you know, not to not to you know break the break the uh, news to you too late, but um, not talking about Star Trek is really what I go for on this show. It's really hard. Oh, well, all right. almost everyone that I've had so far has been through a Trek you know, connection. Um, but you know, Michael's got that angle covered with the Nimbus three thing. Um, there are plenty of star Trek podcasts out there. I will talk star Trek with you all day, every day. And if you come back on the show, we'll talk about it here too. Um, but yeah, it's, there's so much, see, there's tons more stuff about you than just star Trek. And you know, we could do an entire season of this show, probably just on you. Oh my goodness. No, I don't think I <laughs> want to hear all of that. All of it. Uh, you know, so, so we're going to start with, uh, 1987. Oh, good lord! <laughs> Some, somewhere about August 1987. August in June. So that said, "Tear down this year. wall." So, relative to the recording, you have a birthday coming up. Yes, I do. I do. Uh, my wife just of... reminded me of that, actually. Uh, so does my son. So, my youngest is was is an August baby, August the 17th, which is currently the day they are supposed to go back to school. So, we're not sure Ooh. about that. But, uh, yeah, so he'll have his 10th birthday uh, coming up soon. That's right. You're in the South. You go back in August instead of September. Yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah, they keep, they keep cranking it up sooner and sooner. <laughs> we used to, it used to be September. Uh, but, you know, that's uh, the Yeah, rule, it's the depending on how South. things go. So I, I hope things go well. Well, we are on, as it is right now, they're, they're pushing for a normal opening. All of our kids are like bros, really. And we're kind of like, yeah, bros, really? <laughs> and so the school board is maybe looking at it a little more closely. Uh, yeah, it, our school board, they're doing kind of a, uh, they've give, given us three options. And they've actually asked for the community's feedback kind of on it, where it's, okay, we're all fully back with social distancing enforced, uh, a kind of a hy- hybrid thing, distance mm-hmm. learning and kind of going back and uh, fully uh, distance learning. And our conundrum is our son doesn't engage over distance learning. He only engages oh, in person. Man, yeah. It's just, just hard See, all the way around. There's for no, everyone. and that's the problem is there's no blanket right answer. Um, and we have to kind of find a way to, you know, there's, I think there's a way to help everybody. Um, and what I would like to see my own, my own uh, needs here, I think a, you know, if, if they're going to have an in-person environment that the, parents who are uncomfortable with that should be allowed to remote their children um, and stream the lesson. You're going to be that's, there. That's a fantastic anyway, idea. You know, um, because like your son needs to be in that in-person environment and there are more children like him, I have no doubt. Uh, but my oldest child thrived. His grades went up <laughs> in the remote environment. 
So, you know, uh, and this has been one of my things with um, education uh, overall is to, um, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's hard to get it to fit for everyone. There's always going to be the one-off, right? Um, and right, right now we have a way to completely rethink and, um, you know, uniquely tailor some of these experiences for the kids where, you know, it's not going to be the right answer for everybody. So we have a chance to kind of find a better answer for some, right? Um, and right. it is, you know, for those who, for those like your son who need that, that face-to-face, um, it's going to be safer for them if they can do that while everyone else can be distant, you know? Um, and there's, you know, there's just a little bit of logistics and everybody can get through this. Um, unfortunately, I don't think we put enough uh, logistics into the uh, uh, stay at home <laughs> uh, side of it early, you know, for long enough, uh, unfortunately. Uh, we're I mean, back. it's been it's been so interesting because I've been working from home for three months. Thankfully, I've been yeah. I feel very fortunate that I've been able to do so because we've known some of our friends that have not. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping because I've been checking into this that Congress gets on the ball and works on that second stimulus package because it's needed. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, there's a lot of folks out there who, uh, you know, I had the good fortune of working for um, the, one of the companies who was more than uh, capable of weathering through this uh, and able to take care of us regardless um, of the situation. They sent us home, said, you know, don't sweat it. We got your backs. Oh, that's uh, and awesome. Did. And, you know, and they were like, hey, uh, you're not going back to work until we feel like it's safe. And if it's unsafe, we'll send you home again. Um, and I have, you know, the almost, the almost confidence that that's going to be the case, um, even though as, as things kind of uh, continue to change in, in the moment that we're in right now. And, uh, you know, we are a destination uh, point for a lot of folks uh, from around the area, a little bit further away than maybe uh, we should consider. But you know, we're, we're going to do what we do. Uh, we're going to get through all of this. But being kind to each other, doing things like this, staying in touch, reminding each other that we're human, having conversations with, you, with each other, and reminding ourselves of the shared experience of humanity, right? So we touched on uh, just a few things where you and I, the Venn diagram is a circle. Yeah. Yeah. So, Well, Jake, man, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, having you here on this show. Uh, we're going to have a sequel episode uh, in the not-too-distant future. Um, and uh, it is a little bit later than it was when we started. Uh, and I know you've got a day ahead of you, as, as do I, friend. Um, and so I'd just like to say, is there anything else you want to make sure the world hears from you before we close it out? You know, um, if anyone listens that has interacted with me on Twitter, you know, I, I do my best to try to respect everyone. Um because I think it's so important. And I, one thing you won't find me doing is I, I refuse to engage in name calling or any kind of demeaning behavior for anyone, any way they believe differently than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that just stems from, you know, first of all, um, I, I, what I call myself, I call myself a Jesus person. I don't call myself a Christian because you can be a Christian and not really follow the teachings of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I do that because I really feel like he wants us to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what I follow. And that's why I love Star Trek so much, because I see those same things reflected in it. Mm-hmm. Not everyone agrees with me, but that's fine. You don't have to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's why I'm, I'm, I'll try to be very tempered if I engage in any heated discussions. That is always my challenge to myself because uh, I do wear my heart on my sleeve and then I wear my backup heart on my backup sleeve. Um, and then my tertiary heart is on my tertiary <laughs> sleeve uh, because I'm like that dude in the uh, animated series with three arms. Um, but uh, I try to pull back, you know, I've learned that it's not uh, easy. It's well, and, you know, on the internet, please come on. Oh um, yeah. It, it's very like, Hey, yeah. Bam, bam, bam. In person, you know, I'm a little bit better at it. But on the internet, like, especially these days, you know, who's even real? That's, you know, I know the people that have been on the show are real because they came on the show. But for the most part, are, are any of those people on Twitter who are making the rude or offhanded or inflammatory? They're just trolls. You know, are they, are they even real people yeah. or are it's just their gig to, to get a rise out of you? And they don't care who you are. 
They just want to get that. Their endorphin isn't the like or the retweet from the positive interaction. It's the like or the retweet from the negative interaction. So, you know, we right. all we all farm our endorphins differently. Um, and, you know, if you want to <laughs> feed that negative feedback loop, then you can do that. But I am so there are so many tweets that don't get sent. <laughs> it, uh, I, I heard so someone say the other day, it's like if sent. you see something on social media, consider waiting 60 minutes before you respond and go back to your draft and see how you think about it. Yep. So what I do these days is uh, I, I'm, there are times where, you know, the, the satisfaction of clicking tweet or send mm-hmm. tweet must be met, but immediately afterwards I go and delete it. You know, yeah. sometimes it's a reply that cause, and then there are times where just the typing of it and the rereading of it and then the hovering over that button and realizing not only are you screaming into the void, but what you're screaming into the void were anyone to hear it would make no difference in that person's life. Right. Right. Well, yeah. exactly. And a big thing yeah. for me I found is to be compassionate and understanding yeah. if you really yeah. want to reach somebody. You know, not everybody's going to think like you, and that's fine. Um, definitely stand up for where there's injustice. Um, you know, because I definitely believe in that too. Truth, justice, the American way. Uh, sorry, big mm-hmm. Superman fan had to get that yeah. in there. Yeah, it's totally fine. <laughs> but uh, but yeah yeah I, I thank you for having me on. It's actually Absolutely. been a real pleasure, um, and I look forward to episode two. Episode two with Dan Decker. Bum, 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 where your tables have turned. Oh, wait, no, that's this is my show, not your show. <laughs> the wrath of Dan Dick. Wait. <laughs> I'm the com- the Commodore. I'll land your ass on a planet. You better watch oh. it. As long as you be, you know, beam down some masks, you know, and some yeah, hand sanitizer, yeah, be okay. Shields, face shields, hand sanitizers. <laughs> you guys hang tight. I'm going to check out the big laser space cigar. Be right back. <laughs> BRB going for smokes. <laughs> yeah, smoking ship. Yeah. <laughs> Smoke that space dad left for smokes and never came back. <laughs> okay, we're gonna have to do one episode where we just laugh. That, that should be a thing. <laughs> we just riff on stupid Star Trek jokes. All right, friends. Well, uh with that, obviously we would we, we can pretend to end the show for forever. Uh and so we will have to <laughs> finally bring it down. Um, thank you for joining us on this episode of Bad Choices and Bourbon with my friend Jake. Uh, in the Minneapolis metro area, uh, obviously a fantastic human being with more stories to tell. So we are going to come back to that at a later date, uh, and we will hear you will hear us once again next week. Hopefully, having earned your ears once more uh, as we close things down from the Toad Suck Studio in beautiful Central Arkansas. Station signing off. <laughs>